This is Josh Reeves. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. Christmas time is on its way, and our candlelight services are as well. December 23rd and 24th, 1, 4, and 7 p.m. in person here on the Mile High Church campus, but you can stream them as well on 7 p.m. at each evening. Dr. Roger's going to be with us. We have some amazing musicians. Our theme this year is Christmas magic, and we're inviting each and every one to ask themselves the question, are you being the Christmas you want to see in the world? Good morning. Oh, I love you, and I'm so happy to be up here connecting with you. Uh, and uh, here, uh, prior to Christmas time, it's very, very special. Uh, Erica isn't with me today here, but she sends her love, and uh, you'll see her along with myself at the candlelighting services, which I echo uh, are going to be just uh, phenomenally beautiful. And uh, so. Uh, take in the richness, and, and you'll have an opportunity to anchor into a lot of what we're going to say today. <clears throat> but before I dive in, uh, I want to just uh, also sing my praises to that beautiful Jim Campbell and um, Janice and family. Uh, my love is with you, and he touched my, my heart and my life so deeply, and I look forward to being part of celebrating him on the 6th. The soul of Christmas... So a dad was left in charge of the four kids while the wife was out running some errands. And he was reading his paper, and uh, one of the daughters came in and says, Dad, we have a play for you. Come into the living room. So he put his paper aside, and he went in and immediately realized it was going to be a Christmas play because there was a flashlight wrapped in swaddling clothes (laughs) in a shoebox. And his six-year-old son came in and proudly stood by the box. That's Joseph, of course. And then his 10-year-old daughter came in with a sheet wrapped around her head and set lovingly by the shoebox Mary. Another child came in with pillowcases on her arm and was flapping them and dancing and saying, I am the angel of Christmas. And she stood there and continued to flap her pillowcases. And then the last daughter came in wearing some of her mother's high heels and walking as though she were riding a camel (laughs) with a pillow with stuff on it. And she comes in and she bows to everybody and especially the flashlight. And she declares, I am all three wise men (laughs) and I bring my gifts of gold, circumstance, and mud. Gold, circumstance, and mud. At this Christmas time, we bring our hearts back to the traditional story of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. And then there are all the other festivities we participate in in our own way. And it's usually a very joyous time. And I know for some, uh, the gold gets muddy. Sometimes it's because of the tough times. Uh, Some changes, challenges, losses, heartbreaks. And then the muddiness can also be for some a kind of restlessness. A kind of almost boredom with it all. With a deep sense that there's a a deeper message in these times for humanity. Humanity that we must not settle just for the surface story of Christmas, but 
explore the personal story, the mystic story of these, these times. And it's actually this deeper meaning that gets us through the mud and back to the gold that can, in this soul of Christmas, exalt and uplift our lives. This is the journey into the soul of Christmas. Now, to begin with this, I think uh, some clarifications might be in order. And the first is that Christ is not Jesus' last name. It was a title of ultimate esteem given him, and of course, well-deserved. Matthew Fox, uh, a former uh, priest and uh, theologian and author, he writes, the name Christ means anointed, the anointed one. And then he adds, all of us are anointed ones. We are all royal persons, creative, godly, divine, Persons of beauty and of grace. We are all called to radiate the divine presence to one another, with one another, and from one another. And I love that. So as we imagine the coming forth of creation, the divine so loved what it was going to do, that it invested, it placed at the heart of every aspect of its creation a perfect pattern. The God-ordained perfect pattern of whatever that thing is and would be. Out of this divine love was placed the Christ, the ultimate of that expression, at the heart of it, at the center of it. This Christmas time, I invite you into that realization that no matter what you think of yourself, what personal identity you've woven over the years, placed at the center of your being is a God-inspired divine idea that will have its way at some point. It's your deepest truth. It is that Christ aspect of you. And our great good and growth in life come forth from realizing there's more to us than we have discovered yet. Jesus made this great discovery. No doubt in the lost years, he went deep. And he discovered, he connected with this divine love that said to him, I've made you greater than you know. Open to that. He embraced that. He anchored that. And he moved into that Christ arena, that Christ energy. And then he would emerge and for approximately three years he would shine such light and bring forth such good out of this higher self he had discovered. And his mission was to awaken that in all of humanity. To be a bell that would resonate from his time throughout all of history, that there's, you're not just a biological, struggling, awful being. You're an act of God. And as an act of God, there is that in you, that integrity of the Spirit, that beauty, that love, that is your highest truth. 
Some people go a lifetime and not discover it, but it's still their truth. And they'll discover it sometime. We can discover it at Christmas or any time we decide to explore who am I really? And, and what has the divine, what is the divine up to in me? Now, I don't think we know it all at any one time. It's not like there's this ultimate final download and we say, oh, I get it. But I believe more and more we can discover the Christ within. That's why Jesus said, follow me. He never wanted to be worshipped. In fact, when people would worship him, he said, hey, wait, 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 wait. It's not me doing the work. It's the Father within doing the work. I just get out of the way and let God be God. Let love be love. Let healing happen. And he said, you will do the things that I have done and greater things will you do. And he was calling us to that. And so the soul of Christmas is journeying to the manger of the heart. In every one of us. And surrendering to, opening to, a divine love that is ready to impart what we're ready to receive. In terms of the quality of our being. The beauty of our being. The eternality of our being. The journey to that heart. That place of divine heart. I was privileged to um, study for a time uh, here recently on two different occasions with a wonderful Franciscan priest, mystic author, uh, ecumenical teacher, Richard Rohrer. He's a wonderful teacher. Uh, he, he represents the, the deeper mystical Christianity, I believe the true Christianity. And he has some glorious insights about Christ. What if Christ is a name for the transcendent within of everything in the universe? What if Christ is a name for the immense spaciousness of all true love? What if Christ refers to an infinite horizon that pulls us from within and pulls us forward too? What if Christ is another name for everything in its fullness? Ah, that opens up this incredible vision. Journey to the manger of your heart and discover this immense spaciousness of love and allow it to transform and begin a process of personal emergence and joy. It is giving yourself to God's idea of you and exploring just how that must be. It can only be one thing and that is magnificent. For it is God ordained. Now as I I talk about this uh, divine love, it's easy to just pass over this with uh, a sense of what we understand love to be. Although when it's written that God is love and they that dwell in love dwell in God and God in them, that's bespeaking a love far more than we can even know. It's beyond all words. And yet we can, we can grasp, we can sense it to, to a certain degree. But I want us to understand today, invite us to understand some of the qualities, and at least three qualities of this divine love. And the first, and by the way, to help you remember them, I couldn't help myself but attach it to an acronym. Um, it's, I'm seeking recovery from, from acronyms. Use the word soul to help you remember. And the first aspect of love to explore is the spirit of unfolding love. 
This is love in you that is an evolutionary force. It's a love in us that wants to grow us and empower us and, and blossom ever, ever more fully in the unique way that you bring forth. And that's why Richard Rohr called it an infinite horizon that pulls us forward. You see, Jesus showed us the possible human, our greater capacities when we transform out of fear and into love. He showed us that so that it could be activated in our consciousness and in our livingness. He wanted to help us understand that we're designed to be co-creators with God. The highest idea, the Christ, is within everything. And we're conscious beings privileged to know that and to cooperate with that. Thus, we become gods in miniature, co-creators with God in this life and instruments of love, peace, and joy. This is our design and our calling. In metaphysics, if you want uh, something cool to share at a party sometime, we have a phrase for this, and it's called the upper progressive movement of the spirit. That there's an upper progressive movement within us, and it is born of the love that has brought us forth. But here's the challenge. So very often, we orchestrate our lives to be alienated to this newness, this progress, to, to fear the changes that could bless us, actually, to fear the changes that could reveal more of our possibilities. And so we stay stuck, riveted to what is, especially our habits of thought and behavior. In this chapter in, in my life, uh, I have, in, over the past years, been asked to consult with certain smaller churches and centers in our movement. Um, they, they regard, the movement regards Mile High as uh, the epitome, uh, the mecca of it all. And it's well-deserved, I believe. But they call and they say, we'd like to grow. Come help us with that. And so I meet with ministers and boards and committees and teams. And, and, and we do visioning for them. What, what, what's seeking to come forth in that center? And, and I talk about what I know works and what maybe they want to consider that doesn't work. And, we, and ultimately they create, and I just don't do it all for them, but they, they create a, a program that can expand their ministry and attract more people who are seeking it. The interesting thing is that there's an initial burst of activity and some progress. Interesting though, in the cases I've worked with thus far, it falters and it doesn't happen. And it pretty much returns to what was. And that's okay. They go back to playing small church. And, and if that serves them and their community, that's beautiful. But what it teaches us, you see, because in many cases they say they want to grow, but at a subconscious level collectively, they don't want anything to change. We want to grow and get bigger, but we don't want to change. We want to keep our tribe Kind of the way it is. We don't, and, and, and the reason I share that is because we do that individually. We want to grow. We imagine what could be as long as we don't have to change things. As long as I don't have to take any risks or get uncomfortable. And this is incongruent with this unfolding love energy in us. And so we block it for a time. This, the energy of love in you will not take over your sacred choice. It'll wait until you choose. 
And oftentimes that's a bit of a wait. But it's all in divine order. You see, we are called to trust this unfolding love within us. And we begin it by asking ourselves very honestly, what's it high time to release that's obsolete in my thinking and in my behaviors and my dream? What's, what's time to release? And then equally courageously to ask, what's it time to embrace that I've been afraid? Steps of going forward in my life. What's it time to embrace? And what limitations am I finally willing to accept are not law for me? but that I can go forward? How can I let my heart write a new and a higher story for me? In uh, my time here as an associate minister, uh, working in support of my beloved mentor, Dr. Fred Vogt, um, he gave me some, a lot of free reign, and I and a team created an annual symposium called Dimensions of Mind. Maybe some of you old-timers remember that. And we did eight of them. We would bring in a, a list of four or five, maybe six, luminaries, spiritual lights, social lights, people who had so much to share, um, well-renowned people. The list is phenomenal. And uh, we would rent the biggest ballroom we could find downtown and sell about 2,000 tickets and have this incredible day. And at the very first one, we invited a man named Jerry Jampolsky, who had allowed the unfolding love within him to take him beyond alcoholism and into his uh, psychological career. But then in his late 40s and early 50s, he burst into his spiritual consciousness. And he started working with kids with catastrophic illnesses or, or accidents, only to discover that they very easily shifted out of victimhood and into love and became shining lights. And he brought six or seven of these kids, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house after they all shared how they were living, no matter their circumstances. And Jerry has an interesting thing. We, I ran across something. Uh, actually, Erica found this, and she's one of my best researchers, you know. And uh, uh, he writes this. When I was 54 years old, I embarked on a miraculous journey that began with the publication of my first book, Love is Letting Go of Fear. A phenomenal book, by the way. In fact, in many respects, it was a miracle the book was ever written at all. Dyslexic since childhood... I entered the University of California at Berkeley in 1943, knowing that a dumbbell English course was in my immediate future. I struggled through it and received a D. And on the final day of class, my professor said to me, Jampolsky, I don't know what you're going to do in life, but for God's sakes, don't ever try to write a book. I was 50 years old before I decided to no longer give my power away to other people's judgments about my limitations and do what I had been told was impossible and write a book. I am still in awe that this little book has sold millions of copies and been translated into dozens of languages. Miraculous? Absolutely. But that's the miraculous power of the unfolding love at the center of every one of us. So what has been said about you? that you bought into and agreed with. Maybe it's time at Christmas. Let that go and see what the higher design has in store and reverse those laws. The spirit of an unfolding love. Secondly, it's the spirit of unending love. Oh, it's written, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Thou art my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. I have loved you with an everlasting love, it is written. 
The great good news as we go to the manger of our hearts, we discover a love that has not given up on any one of us. Yeah, there's a love that has not given up on you. And in fact, it never could and never shall. No matter what unfolds, there is that infinite love. It's an unending love. And I think it's important at Christmas to get in touch with that in a deeper way so that as we go forward in our lives, we go forward with not only comfort, but with great, great strength. Born of that something that life is always for me and never against me. There's a love that will not let me go, that can sustain me even when I fall down, that always beholds the beauty and the possibilities in me and refuses to believe otherwise. For such is the divine mind. It doesn't think junk. It only thinks the highest. Know that about that. There's an unending love for you. And, and at Christmas time, I know, I remember my loved ones who've passed over, who've let go of the body vehicle and moved into God's greater love. And I remind myself that love is eternal for them. That love that birthed them continues its journey, its adventure in that soul. And at Christmas, we can remember that. And we'll miss them, long for them, and we can send from our hearts over the heart wires of the oneness a blessing of love. And at this time, as we understand unending love, we know we're always one with every soul that's ever been. We may not be in physical proximity, but in this universe of spirit and of love, there's no ultimate divisions and separation. So we can commune with our beloveds. We can commune with higher souls. We can commune with the essence of Jesus and draw greater strength from that, from the essence of the Buddha and of all enlightened masters. For we're all one. The spirit of unending love. Oh, and then there is the spirit of unfailing love. There's no greater power than love. I suggest that love is true power. And when we journey to the manger and we remind ourselves that we're designed to be love-based beings, not fear-based beings, we step into our true power to love and to create and to grow. And we do that best when we do two simple things, but they're not always easy. Forgive and give. So at this Christmas time, I would invite you to ask yourself, what gift am I willing and ready to unwrap of forgiveness? What gift of forgiveness am I willing to accept? Am I ready to be untethered to a hurt and to the past? And am I willing to embrace this opportunity to let it go? Remembering that that love in me whispers to me, nothing anyone ever said or did ever had the power to diminish you, the real you. Know that, stand strong in that love. Stand strong in who you are and release that, that you might be free, able to soar and do what you're called to do. Now listen, if Nelson Mandela could do it, we can. Nelson Mandela was a lawyer who was working to overturn apartheid in South Africa, but he was tossed in prison. He stayed in prison for 26 years, separated from his family, 26 years of hard labor. Imagine that. Until finally the forces at work saw to the crumbling of apartheid, and he and the others 
that have been in captive, captivated were, were released. But as he was moving to move forth from that prison, he said these words. As I walked out of the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness behind, I'd still be in prison. Let's get out of our prisons of hurt and resentment. What a beautiful, energetic time to do that. Jerry Jampolsky adds, forgiveness is a relinquishing of an unhelpful train of thought, an inner correction that lightens the heart. Forgiving. And then that prepares us to, to give of this love energy, to give of that which we're designed to be as instruments of love, peace, and joy. And it's unfailing one way or another as we give. It spreads blessings in so many ways. Blessings of healing, upliftment, support. A couple of decades ago, I was given a true story, an article on a true story. I've shared it on occasion, and I just cannot not share it with you. It's a Christmas story, a true story about a 10-year-old girl who was walking home with her friend. And the two of the girls were skipping along and sliding a little on the ice and having a good time talking about what they wanted for Christmas. And they came across a yard with a, a sadly unpainted uh, withering old fence. And in the yard was a man named Harry. They'd seen him before and occasionally talked to him. Harry was on his knees. He was weeding, pulling weeds around a big oak tree. And they asked him what he was doing. And uh, Harry said to them, you know, um, my wife passed away several years before and his eyes brimmed with tears. And he said, she loved her yard and her trees. So I do this for her at Christmas. It's a way I can give to her. And the girls just heard that and they saw his frayed, ragged woolen coat and his gloves. His fingers were sticking out of the ends of them. They were so old. They were turning blue. And they couldn't help themselves. They went through that gate and they got on their knees too with him and they helped him weed around all those trees. Spent most of the afternoon doing that. And then at the end of that, when they were done, Harry pressed a quarter in each of their palms. And he said, I wish I could pay you more, but... That's all I've got. That's all I got. Well, the girls went home and that quarter started to burn a hole <laughs> in the hearts of one of the girls. And she called her friend. She said, let's get a present for Harry. And so they got a jar and they put a label on it, Harry's Christmas present. And they both put those quarters in there. And then they started going to their pestering their family and their, their parents to do odd jobs to earn a little money and went to their neighbors and did the same. And they got some quarters and nickels and dimes and a few dollar bills and they kept putting it in there. And it was about two days before Christmas and they opened it up and counted it. And they had a little bit of money there. So they went to the store and went shopping and they found this beautiful pair of warm leather gloves. And they had enough money to buy a card also. So they went home and they wrapped it in pretty paper. And then on Christmas Eve, they took that card and that gift and a still warm out of the oven, pumpkin pie. And they knocked on Harry's door. And he opened, and they started singing a Christmas carol. And when were they done, they proudly handed him the present and the card and the pie, and he set the pie aside, and 
read the card and they're scrawling and his eyes begin to well up and then he tore up that paper and there were those gloves. And to their astonishment, he held those gloves up to his eyes and he wept, he sobbed. I'm sure there were tears of joy and I'm sure also it was a realization that he wasn't alone. He wasn't forgotten. He still mattered and their love was still alive in his world. Ah, that's what we have the privilege of extending. An unfailing love that will always transform. I challenge you. You've got a week before Christmas. If you're willing to take it, this invitation, find one person that you can love that way, that you can shine a little light into their life and make a difference. Maybe it's a little act of love. Maybe it's making that phone call. However it is for you. You know, the gifts that will come back for as we receive, we give, are so enormous. The soul of Christmas calls us to the manger. The manger of our heart. It calls us there that we can commune with that infinite love that loves us so fully. A love that's unfolding us an unending love and an unfailing love. This is the soul of Christmas and it's here for you and me. This is what it's really all about. Make it your opportunity and you'll find yourself in possession of the gold again. Let's share a prayer together. Let your eyes gently close if you choose and I invite you to take a deep breath. And with another deep breath, I invite you to shift your attention to your heart center, right at the center of your chest. Mine is very warm right now. By your attention, sense that your heart is quickening. And you can trust it. Don't fear it. Surrender to it. Let your heart warm. Let your heart warm. And notice that as you surrender to this and enjoy this, there's a profound shift in awareness. The edge falls off of problems. The fatigue of too much to do is released to a bit. And a deeper joy begins to bubble up. Allow it. And on its heels, there is that voice that says, Thou art my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. I have birthed you out of my infinite imagination and my desire to celebrate my infinite experience through you in your unique way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not only do I love you, you are love. You are that which I am. Embrace Let this take you, let this transcendent within take you beyond 
the lesser definitions of yourself, the lesser concept. Step into the spirit and the light. You are a luminous light being. Here to shine and to exude this love. Here to surrender to this love and explore what's possible. Here to know the bounty and the magnificence of life itself. To walk in every moment with just a deep sense of peace. To forgive readily. And to love yourself. And as you do, you shall blossom and bear the fruit within the God seed I've placed within you. Rejoice. Rejoice. And I affirm and know that this healing consciousness blesses us deeply, opens us to our greater yet to be. I know it blesses those who have gone before us into the higher dimensions. And I know it is our gift in consciousness to a growing realization that God's way is peace upon this earth. So accept the coming forth of greater and greater peace, the healing of strife, wherever it exists. For the ultimate truth is the love that is the divine, infinite and total. We give thanks for this truth. We let our hearts well up in great, great joy and gratitude for this is the gift of all gifts, ours now and forevermore. May we give thanks. Thank you, precious, precious Spirit. And the inner Christ shines through each of us. We let it be and become. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.